All right, welcome back to another edition of the Hope Students Podcast. It's a little bit different today. Today, we have two people talking at once. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, wow, I won't be able to understand what one of them is saying while the other one's talking. It's not quite like that. It's not quite like that. They just gave a combined talk on a Sunday night, and they're going to do the same thing for this podcast. So uh, today, we welcome Matthew and Bradley. Hello, this is... I'm Matthew. Uh, I'm Bradley. There we go. We, we change off words every sentence. That's kind of how we talk. Yeah, so it's going to work great. It's going to be great. So now you, now you guys know how this works. So, uh, boys, obviously, you know, we start off with an intro question. So, uh, it's going to be a little different because I've never asked people the same question. So, I, I guess I have to think of a group question. Uh, that question this time will be, if you were a tag team wrestling duo, what would your individual names be? And then what would the group collective name be? Oh, easy. You have one? Well, we talk about this all the time. I guess we kind of do. So, uh, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Man, what would our duo name? Well, I'll oh, go well, ahead. I kind of like, we have talked about, because, <laughs> um, you know, I'm from Florida, and Matthew is from Georgia. Mm. We might have to get some copyright on this, but f- Florida, Florida Georgia, Georgia lines, lines obviously. Yep, that's obvious. illegal. Next. <laughs> um, but let's go ahead and get to our individual names. Okay, let's do it. Obviously, I'm the Mighty Baby Carrot. <laughs> mm. I honestly picture that for you, Mighty Baby Carrot. I love that. Yeah, um... You know, it's funny, we had a similar question to this at middle school camp last week, and my main man, Ashton, who's a seventh grader, gave me a great nickname, and it's uh, Bradley Bear. Mmm, Bradley Bear. Yeah. I thought it was going to be kind of a playoff, a little baby carrot and celery stick. That's kind of where I thought you were going, with uh, celery stick. I'm, I'm more of a carrot guy, and yeah. I already took the yeah. carrot, so. Yeah, can't have two carrots. No. That's so true. All right, guys, well, that's, that's it for our intro question. Uh, boys, I'm going to go ahead and let you take it away. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, as Chris said, we, we kind of had an interesting task to complete. Um, you know, not not very often you have two people speaking. Um, and so what that looked like is is I was able to kind of introduce our topic um, and then hand it off to Bradley, and he kind of took us home. Uh, but before I even do that, I need you to picture something here. All right, if you are a runner, this is going to be very easy to imagine. But if you're not, like the most of us, then just just work with me here. So imagine you're running a race, and a half marathon to be exact. Not a full marathon, not a 5K, but a half marathon, all right? You're running this race, and you can probably imagine what that feels like. And it's not fun. (laughs) Running is terrible, and it hurts. And nobody wants to do it unless you're a little bit crazy. But at this point... You are at mile 11 in this half marathon, okay? You are well past the halfway mark, but you're not quite there, right? Oh, my goodness. It's so terrible. But if you have run a race before, you understand that there are these little things that are called water stations throughout the race. And water stations are just, they, they give you life, right? You can't run a race without a water station. Um, and they are such a an oasis in the desert to see while you're running these races. So imagine you're at mile 11. You are thirsty and you are dying and you want to quit. And you see a water station off in the distance and it's coming up and just that sense of relief comes over you that you're finally going to get 
some some refreshment, some replenishment, right? Bradley, you imagine in that? Yeah, I am. I got a picture perfect. Awesome. Right now. Okay. So you're running up to this water station, and and you can probably imagine all these happy, smiling people wearing the same tucked-in blue T-shirt, and they're like, "Hi, take my water. You need some water, right?" And they're all way too happy and nice to be to be here at this time of the day. Well, you're running, and at the end of the line is a fairly short, maybe a little uh, heavier, redhead, cute as can be child. Okay, this kid is just just so full of joy, and he is standing there proud, and he wants you to take his water. He said, please take this water from me, and it looks so good, and you just know that he's your guy, right? So you're running up to him, and and you need this water, and you just take it, and he just says, thank you. And, and you keep running. That's a great 10-year-old. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Um, and, and you finally get this water. Um, and, and you're doing the kind of, I want to drink some of it, but I also want to dump some of this on my face, right? Because you're miserable and sweaty. And, and you just go for it, right? You just kind of throw it in your face with your mouth open. And instantly, you realize that that is not water. And that this cute little punk just handed you a cup of vinegar. And just pranked you, and you just threw vinegar in your eyes, and in your nose, and in your mouth, and it's absolutely terrible, right? And you're just gagging, and you did not get the refreshment that you you needed so badly. Um, so I hope you can imagine that. Um, but just keep that in mind. Um, and I'm gonna get into some scripture real fast. This is Genesis 1:27. So God created mankind in His own image, in the image of God He created them. So listening to that scripture, I want you to imagine a mirror, right? Like a bathroom mirror. This thing, it can be as big as you want to imagine it. But it has a perfect surface. There's no cracks. There's no nicks. And it's also a perfect reflection of whatever is in front of it. So imagine that mirror as I read the scripture again. God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. So think about a mirror. Think about the fact that God created mankind to be a perfect reflection of his image, right? Just like a mirror is a perfect reflection of anything that's in front of it. We are essentially a mirror of God's image. We can also apply this to the world that God created. It is a perfect reflection of the kingdom of heaven and what ought to be. So we have this perfect creation. Mankind created in God's image to be perfect in the world created in God's image to be perfect. But what happened, right? What, why isn't, is it not perfect? Why are we not perfect? And, and that's the question that we're kind of digging into here. And to sort of start that off, I'm going to get into Genesis 3. And this is Genesis 3, 6. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some of it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So this is a short little verse um, in Genesis when sin entered the world. So I think most of us kind of know that story, know how that happened. Um, you know, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden that God created them and for them, and it was absolutely perfect. And there was a tree. There was one tree in the middle of the garden that bared the forbidden fruit. Um, and as humans, Adam and Eve were, you know, instructed by God not to eat this, right? Um, and because of our human nature and because of our innateful sinfulness. Sinfulness, is that a word? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. We ate the fruit. Um, but that's not exactly what I'm focusing on here. 
my main focus is this first part of the verse. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and ate it. Good for food and pleasing to the eye is the description that we have for this fruit, right? So I want you to imagine an apple now. It, it, an apple, you know, a nice, I like, I like Granny, is it green or red? I like Granny Smith apples. I, I like green apples. <laughs> okay, we'll go green. So this is a nice green, crisp apple that looks so good. I mean, like if you're hungry and you see this apple, everything inside of you is going to tell you to eat that apple, right? So we have an apple to represent sin in our life, right? Just as you're running this race and you're thirsty and you need something and you see this this cup of water that looks so good, but it turns out to be vinegar and it absolutely burns you and, and makes you want to throw up. That's what sin does, right? That's the nature of sin. Sin is this this thing that everything inside of us tells tells us that it's good, tells us that we need it, right? We are we are human. We are innately sinful, meaning that we are hungry, hungry, and that we thirst for something more. So sin is in this this perfect world that has been created um, to tempt us, right? And and the question that that I that I struggle with, and I think that we're really talking about tonight, is what does it look like when this sin, the sin that looks good, and the sin that like we crave, collides with this perfect reflection of the kingdom of God that God has created? Um, and I kind of like to think of it as if you took this apple and threw it as hard as you could at that mirror, right? This perfect mirror shattered completely shattered by this apple um and i think that's just a, the best visual i can think of of what it looks like when sin entered the world and what it looks like when we entered our lives we have this this life that god has given us and created us to be perfect in his image that is completely shattered by by sin and things that look good but ultimately shatter us and break us mm-hmm. um and you know i I'm so glad that I can sit here and and tell the story, but also say that that is not the end of the story, right? We we have this this terrible news that we are broken and that we are we can't be fixed. I mean, imagine trying to put a shattered mirror back together; it can't happen. Um, but the good news is that that is not the end of the story. Um, and so that is kind of the end of this introduction, and, and Bradley can really yeah, so take Matthew over kind of here. got to give that fun first part of the talk, talking about what sin is, and it uh, it's funny because when we were deciding what we were going to talk about and how we were going to do this two person talk, because we were kind of the only interns who uh, got um, kind of chosen to do it like this, we uh, we were trying <laughs> to choose a topic, and it was Matthew who came up with the idea of let's talk about sin because we've talked a lot about um, freedom from sin this summer and grace, but We've never really focused on what sin is, and that's a heck of a topic to choose. <laughs> and so, when uh, when we decided to start it, I, uh, you know, when you get a word like that, you typically go to the dictionary because you know there's so many things that sin refers to. But Webster's doesn't really help us out very much. So it's a good thing that I uh, I'm a huge nerd. I have a new Bible dictionary which has every pretty much every biblical term that you can think of. It gives you the Hebrew for it, the Nerd. Greek for it, and it gives you it. where it's used in the Bible, like what context. Um, and it's written by a bunch of famous theologians. But so anyways, 
uh, you get to sin, and they have about four pages on it, and it's like one of those big dictionaries where it goes like four lines like per page, mm. and so they have a lot on it. But anyways, it's pretty much summed up in these two sentences I'm about to read uh, from page 1106 of the New Bible Dictionary. <laughs> Gosh, good page. Yep. Yeah, I uh, love that one. Essentially, sin is directed against God, and this perspective alone accounts for the diversity of its form and activities. It is a violation of that which God's glory demands and is therefore, in its essence, the contradiction of God. C.S. Lewis puts it like this in The Great Divorce, There is but one good, and that is God. Everything else is good when it looks to him and bad when it turns from him. So we got to hear from Jonathan, who gave his awesome talk on the glory of God and how God in and of his nature is perfect good. And so if we're going to say that sin in its essence is, quote, the contradiction of God, then sin is the opposite of good. Any sin is the opposite of all good things. And so that leaves us in a pretty tricky situation because, like Matthew talked about, that sin is a part of us. And so the question becomes, so what do we do with that sin when it's not something that exists outside of us, it's something that exists inside of us? Psalm 5.5 5 says, Lord, you hate all evildoers. So I don't, I don't know about you, Matthew, <laughs> but to me that makes me uh, not feel so great. It's a little heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty heavy. And the question um, that we come down to, and essentially the question of the Bible, is how is it possible for God to hate and love sinners at the same time? How is it possible that God can have such a holy and strong hate for sin? but have such a sacrificing and incredible love for sinners. Mm. And that's what makes the cross so special, and that's what we miss when we think of sin as something that exists outside of ourselves because Jesus didn't die for sin that exists outside of us. He died because there's nothing that we could do about it. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So essentially, the one line, if you remember anything from this podcast, Matthew's 10-year-old voice, or us discussing what <laughs> Apple, it would, be, uh, it would be this line that I would choose to have you remember. If you don't understand how bad the bad is, you'll never grasp how good the good news is. Yeah. So when we see our sin as something that's like, ah, you know what, that's not who I really am, you know, it's just you know, kind of something I do every now and then, uh, but it's not a big deal, then you'll never understand the love of Jesus and the love that came through the cross and the power of the cross because that's grace, because there's absolutely nothing we could have done to earn that. Grace isn't something that can be given on your own. You know, I have a, uh, a story from high school where Matthew knows this. It's a pretty funny one. <laughs> I was in AP Physics 1, mm, which was That's a, your first uh, mistake. Yeah, that was my first mistake. It was a terrible class, and uh, I got a nice two on that AP Physics exam. But we had our first test of the year coming up, and we also it didn't help that we had just a terrible teacher. He was a great guy. Do not get me wrong. I love this man. <laughs> but he was just the worst physics teacher. So we all, like we take the test, and we all know we did terribly. Um, the question wasn't who passed. The question was how big is the curve going to be? Mm. And so we, uh, we take the test. We, uh, we're about to get them back. And he's one of those teachers who he put all the grades up on the board. Didn't attach a name to them, but just like right. that way we knew either how good or bad we <laughs> did compared to the rest of the class, which I can't stand. 
And uh, but sitting there at the bottom is an eight percent. Oh boy, eight like not eight out of ten, like eight out of one hundred percent on a test. And so we, uh, I'm sitting next to my really good friend uh, in the class, and he just blurts out, he goes, "Okay, guys, like I know that test was super hard, but who could have gotten an eight? And uh, we, you know, the test started to get passed back, and I'll never forget so loudly he gets his test back and he just screams well i got the oh eight. he's that guy he got an eight percent on that test and what was <laughs> so crazy about it was that our professor goes all right guys everybody did so poorly on this test that nobody's gonna get below a 90 so the lowest score will get rounded up to a 90 so that meant that daniel's eight got rounded up to a 90 percent he got an 82 point curve and if that's not grace then i don't know what grace is because Mm. that is insane and uh speaking on school though because like i said i am a huge nerd and i love history um you know it's this isn't like the first time that we've like tended to think of sin as something outside of ourselves right that's been a we're humans that's just kind of what we do we mess up and so um Back in about 500 years ago, the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church really had this problem, and they started to think of salvation as something that you could buy. They were literally like selling salvation bonds, which is just kind of the opposite of how it works. And uh, it was a thought process shared by kind of the whole, uh, whole church at the time. And so this guy named Martin Luther, this actually professor at the time, said, you know what, that's not how that works. That's not what the Bible says. And so he... Um, he came up with these things called the 95 Theses and started what became known as the Protestant Reformation, which is the reason why Hope Church exists today. And so anyways, um, basically what he said was, listen, you can't earn your salvation. There is nothing that we can do. It is by the grace of God alone, and we need to get back to the basics. And I just love the Reformation so much because it's a reminder of what grace is. Uh, one of my favorite theologians and authors, Kevin Van Hooser, put it like this. The Reformation is first and foremost a recovery of grace. Not only that righteousness is a gift of God, but also that God graciously reveals himself in Jesus Christ. The church had exchanged God-given grace for human religiosity, a jury-rigged system for appeasing the divine, the tempting idea that sin is something we can manage through our ritualized practices. Grace contradicts every system of religion precisely because God's free mercy cannot be predicted. So my friend couldn't have predicted that his eight was going to get rounded to a 90, and he definitely did not deserve it. Um, Grace is kind of when, you know, you get put in Richmond for the summer, and you end up having the best summer of your life with these other interns, and you don't deserve it, but God gives it to you anyways, and grace Mm -hmm. is when... God can love sinners like us who in and of our nature look like a shattered mirror to God. We should. But then thanks to the love of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, we look like a fully restored mirror Mm. to God when we put our faith in Jesus. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and and fall short of the glory of God. There is nothing that we could have done and nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. And uh, Luther's doctrine from the Reformation had a kind of foundational set of principles that became known as the five sole in Latin. It kind of means like 
the five pillars of Christianity and what it's based off of. And so they're the following. Sola Scriptura, by Scripture alone. Sola Fide, by faith alone. Sola Gratia, by grace alone. Solus Christus, by, by Christ alone. And Soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. And I think those pillars really kind of tie everything together because we've talked about what it means to have faith in Christ, right? And mm-hmm. what faith alone does for us. We've talked about what grace alone means, what Christ alone means, and how we do everything to the glory of God like Jonathan talked about. And so what I think can get browsed over and what's so important is that last one, sola scriptura by scripture alone. Because a question that I've gotten a lot this summer is, you know, Bradley, like, I want to get this started. Like, you know, a few of my students have come to me and said, maybe it's I've decided to give my life uh, to Christ for the first time. Or maybe it's, you know, I want to take that next step. How do I do that? And so the first thing that I always say is that it takes about five minutes a day to read one chapter of the Bible a day. You know, I, uh, I have a little brother who's 11 years old. And we started, he got his first Bible uh, about three months ago and he was super excited and he was like, Bradley, isn't like this the coolest thing ever? And again, cause I'm a huge nerd. I was like, heck yeah, it is. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. And he's like, will you read this with me? And I was kind of shocked cause he's 11 and you don't think of an 11 year old as wanting to read the Bible. And I was like, well, of course. And so we started in John and we've done a chapter a day together for about three months now or all the way. Uh, we're just about done with first Corinthians and he's killing it and it's awesome. But if you can just take that five minutes a day and five more minutes to pray over it and talk to God because he wants to hear from you, that'd be my challenge. Like that is the first step in moving forward in that relationship and learning to accept that grace. Because some of what scripture is going to tell you, you're not going to like because it. <laughs> you learn once again, like that sin is a part of us and we, uh, we kind of suck. Humans tend to mess stuff up. Absolutely. But you can learn the love and grace of Christ and it's absolutely incredible and just so important. Second Timothy 3:14 tells us that but as for you continue it in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation in Christ through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's kind of my challenge that I leave for you guys, the listeners, is just that if you want to take that next step, um, just like 10 minutes a day, five minutes in scripture and five minutes in prayer, and I promise you it'll make a, a, a big difference. But again, I just want to go back to and what the theme of kind of Matthew and my talk was, is uh, if you don't understand how bad the bad is, you'll never be able to grasp how good the good news is because the good news is so good and uh, I kind of like to leave it with we are sinners and we're worse off than we ever could have imagined which is kind of again it's harsh mm, <laughs> but we are more loved and cared for than we ever could have dreamed of so good and so by grace we have been saved through faith that grace is sufficient for me that grace is sufficient for Matthew grace is sufficient for Charvin and for everybody so uh yeah that was kind of our talk that was uh how we did it Matthew it was super fun we we weren't sure how it was gonna work out doing the two people you know it was so good though it was so good couldn't have had it any other it was uh it was a lot of fun 
Yeah, thank you guys. That was a lot of fun. And I'm sure the listeners are going to have a few questions, uh, so I feel like we'll go over them really quickly. Um, yes, it is embarrassing. They didn't think of crab apples. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a minority. We left them out. Yeah. Yes, I have emailed Bradley's professor that he used to have saying he was better than he gave him credit for, and Bradley, sorry. Mr. Arnie, if you were listening to this, I love you, dude, and you know that. No, it's too late. But uh, uh, no, but for real, it's so true that uh, you don't know how good it is until you've had some bad times. And so, guys, thank you so much for your message. Thanks for joining us, and uh, I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, thanks for having us, Chris. All right, hope students uh, stay safe out there. Uh, Don't get caught in a snowstorm, and we will see you a little bit later. Bye. 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 Bye.